0: This is the Roaring Alpha Podcast for the 5th of June 2018, a podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon, and here's my compliant co-host
1: Dave. I'm not very often compliant, it has to be said. <laughs> I am often found non compliant. Well,
0: I we actually have a guest on the on the show today to make sure to get you into that compliancy straight jacket. That's that's the, that's my goal for today anyway.
1: No, it's not a compliancy is not a straight jacket. Compliancy is a, a warm, comfortable jumper maybe
0: yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway indeed we are joined by uh, by john murtick. Mm-hmm. so with that let's uh let's kick into the interview so welcome we have a special guest with us today john murtick welcome back
2: Thank you, thank you. Welcome. Thanks for letting me come back. Um, you know, sometimes I don't get return um, invitations like that, so that's it's either an honor or maybe you know me that well. Um.
0: Nah, I'd be very surprised if people don't want you back. Because uh, I know last time I had a lot of fun with you. Yeah. Oh
2: definitely. well, good. Well, good. Good. And good. Good, so, good. 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 So
1: for for those that aren't familiar, you are um, director of program management for ODPI. Um, the R consortium and the Open Mainframe project that's a that's a lot of things you're involved in
2: Yeah they 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 keep me busy here they're worried uh they worried if uh, my hands get too idle I guess right um but uh <laughs> no, it's fun you know I mean I've spent I've been I've been fortunate enough to spend my entire career at different levels of open source um yes. and while I at, you know I mean and you guys have been around that right it's it's yeah. it is not without Try, uh, strife it is not without challenge um, but it sure is a heck of a lot of fun um, and that's that's sort of how I like to look at it.
1: I mean it's also it's also pretty unique isn't it I mean the the there's it, the open source world is a, a relatively small world and yet it is you know nowadays you look around it's very it's pervasive it's everywhere I mean the majority of the internet is powered by open source.
2: It is, Um, and 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 even more, right? I mean, some of the things we talk about at the Linux Foundation of just projects that we help support, and and we really only really focus on like that that those that sort of like that tip of the iceberg, you know, if you would. I mean, if you imagine like a a hockey curve, you know, thing in you know in your mind here, um, and think about it sort of backwards, you know, the ones we focus on really those projects that are so pervasive and so used out there. Um, that they just need a foundation in the around it to help, you know, drive success. Um, but what's funny is, is, yeah, I mean, you know, we all here enjoy probably, um, you know, streaming TV, um, you know, streaming networks over the Internet and everything like that is made possible by software defined networks and and all of these key open source networking technologies like that whole boom is kicked off because of the pervasive of this of that. Um, You know, we're seeing it in the automotive space. Uh, The, uh, you know, the Toyota Camry is the first um, car that's released uh, that's out there that the entire infotainment system is entirely Linux based um, and is developed by a consortium of auto manufacturers together. Um, versus licensing the you know, technology from somebody else, and it's and so, you know, it's it's you're just seeing that more and more. It is hard to not touch a device that is not influenced, powered by, ran by, or could run open source. Um, yeah, it's it's you know, it it's honestly probably like one of the biggest cultural. Phenomenons you could argue since the Renaissance, um, and I'm not putting that, you know, and I'm not just trying to throw buzzwords out there. I mean, it is, it is truly amazing what we are seeing from technology um, in that regard.
1: Absolutely, couldn't have said it better myself. And now I, I apparently have a reason to go and buy a Toyota Camry. I never thought that would happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, anyway. if you're a Lexus guy, they're gonna ha- they're gonna have Linux in those too. So, I mean, oh, I don't I don't okay. know where you sit there on we go. that. So, there we go. I don't want to I don't I don't want to shortchange sounds, anybody here. That sounds
1: much more my speed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's
2: fair. That's fair.
1: <laughs> so let's 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 go let's go a little bit uh, back to basics. Um, do you want to introduce yourself to the audience uh, who who may not have uh, been around for your first episode? For those that want to check out our first episode, it's episode twenty one back in August 2nd, 2016. But go and, go and go on and say hi to the audience.
2: Hi, audience. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> my, my, name, my, name, my, yeah, my, my name is John Murtick. Um You know, these gentlemen did a great job introducing me here. Um, I work on behalf of the Linux Foundation. Um, and, you know, really where my role is, is helping lead, shepherd, um, and direct um, various open source foundations. So um, if you all don't know, really know a lot about the Linux Foundation, um, one of our primary things that we do is where we have this foundation of foundations model um, where you know we help you know provide the the infrastructure the legal guidance the support all those things um, for open source foundations that go out there um, and help shepherd open source technologies um, a key sort of distinction within that is you know we don't we don't tell technology communities what to do We help Mm -hmm. ensure that they can be successful at what they're trying to do and give them that clear space to collaborate um, very easily. Um, With that, we see a lot of corporate involvement as well, because when you have a neutral entity in there that gets that is able to oversee um, all of what's going on, that. Creates a safer environment for collaboration, um, not only for individuals but for corporations. So, so that's a little bit of my role. Um, I hope I'll oversee these foundations, um, running all sorts of aspects of them: operations, marketing, um, you know, sort of you name it within there. Um, and I also have a team of people who are also from the Linux Foundation that that help in a, a, a different capacities as well, just to help keep these groups uh, moving forward and uh, mm-hmm. keep the technology rolling.
1: Cool. Excellent. Thanks very much for that. So, um, I mean, as we as we were sort of chatting before we got got started recording, it's been sort of it's been quite a while since we uh, since we talked. And you know, when we when we initially spoke, it was relatively early in the sort of the ODPI's life back then. Um, for those that, that haven't been closely following what the ODPI has been up to over the last couple of years, and I realise it's a big ask because you've been up to quite a lot, but what what are some of the the kind of the key things that you know ODPI initially uh, was focused around, and and how has that sort of evolved over uh, the last couple of years?
2: So ODPI was really founded around the sense of um, Hadoop and these big data technologies, they're moving very fast. And the challenge has always been the downstream consumers consuming it. You know, how, and and how are they able to, um, you know, work with different variants of how these technologies are assembled? Um, The parlance used often is distribution in that sense. Um, How are these communities able to provide sort of feedback upstream? How are they able to, um, engage in really in a true open source sense um, and you know sort of use the the term that John Mark Walter, uh, Walker, I'm sorry, put out there of ha- being able to ha- be an active participant um, in your open source supply chain. So really being able to to not just contribute upstream, but you know, be a part of that conversation, understand where it's going, have a vested, um, participation level and giving feedback. Um, you know that was that was a missing piece of the Hadoop world. Um, it's not a very uncommon thing that happens with technologies that grow very quickly. You know, you see the technologists yeah. are the ones that typically will will find their way around it, and that's usually what the greatest need is. Um, but as the downstream, you know, consumption comes in, that becomes um, a missing piece of of building sort of the ecosystem around, it, and that's. That's where ODPI was, was chartered to come in around, um, help, help make these technologies effectively more consumable um, by the enterprise. Um, so that's kind of why ODPI came into being. Now, yeah. it's been a while since we talked, as you pointed out, um, and boy, hasn't the Hadoop world changed since we last talked. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we could just sit back and have a whole podcast on that, I have a feeling. We absolutely could.
1: But I mean let's 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 boil it down. I mean the 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 big thing I guess that's happened since since ODP started is ODPI started is really the, the consolidation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean we're down from I mean geez when ODPI was was launched, I think we were what, six, seven, maybe eight distros, depending upon how you're counting. Yeah. Um and now I mean, we're kind of got ourselves into, most people would argue for, I mean, they'd throw Amazon there as an option, mm-hmm. um, you know, Stereo, Cloudora, and Hortonworks kind of going down their path together. And we've seen a lot of the distro consolidation have sort of fell into one of those two camps. Um, and we still have MapR there uh, place, But I think also when I think of consolidation, I also sort of look at, it. you know, the, the focuses have changed, yeah. where I think everybody... You know when we had seven or eight, everyone was sort of fighting over the same piece of pie um and yeah. I don't know what for both of you, but i I feel like each of them are trying to find their their own niches a little bit um and really working and executing in that regard,
1: yeah, yeah, I think that's fair to say I think that's fair to say i mean the for for those that aren't familiar with the the ones that have kind of consolidated i guess the 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 ones that are most well known would be sort of um, Pivotal's um, sort of distribution, which sort of um, you know, collapsed or not collapsed, but uh, <laughs> merged into um, HDP, HortonWorks Data Platform. Um, you know, Microsoft, um, way back when, um, were sort of even pre-ODPI. Um, their HD Insights was also based on HDP, and then, of course, most recently. Um, IBM's big insights, um, was, which was that was the big news of last year, um, sort of consolidated into HDP as well. So, were there, were there others that I'm missing?
2: I think you've kind of got the bulk of it. I mean, I think there might have been. I mean, for a while, Intel was a little bit of a player, and mm-hmm. I think they had f- fallen into the cloud era. Yeah, you're um, right. You're
0: right. Yep. Yeah. You know, emphasis but on something at a certain point.
2: Infosys did have something that I don't I don't know exactly to where I mean it was ODPi certified at one point I don't know where that sits. Um, Altascale that sort of has folded into SAP and I don't I don't know exactly where that sits today. Um, mm. Mm. So yeah I mean yeah you, it's it's a fair point I mean the, the 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 sort of wildness of everybody kind of rolling their own distros sort of calmed down and and yeah. you know what's interesting is if you also look you know, just from the pace of technology, the, the pace of innovation that's happening here, right? You know, so what, what was always the talk of the Hadoop world up until right around, I would say, 2016, when this sort of slowed down, is what new component is coming into the stack that everybody <laughs> mm-hmm. has to rush out and include, right? I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I mean, you guys have probably, you know, went through the laundry list of these. Um, and actually what we're more seeing is components are starting to get kicked out of the stack. Yeah. Um, I mean that that whole dynamic is changing.
0: Yeah, we also see stacks actually splitting into two, right? If you look at uh, okay. the Hortonworks side, that have the HTTP and the HDFS now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and
1: uh-huh. I, I guess I mean it's it's really it, for components sort of. Um getting the boot I guess it's really the it's it's the evolution of those distributions. New technologies have come along and have surpassed some of the things that were you know considered cornerstones at, at one point so um i mean the the thing that immediately comes to mind for me is um largely kind of flume is is largely deprecated in most places mm-hmm. now. Um and you know certainly from a Hortonworks perspective, largely replaced by by NiFi. Um but then um I'm trying to remember, Jon, maybe you can remember. What was what's the um uh the ML framework that was was uh, hot and exciting kind of three or four years ago?
2: Mahout? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's that's gone there, yeah. Well they reinvent yeah. themselves and, well, are
0: called Samsara now, and they're kind of being yeah, on top of those. Reinventing the themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the natural kind of progress of things. It's it's the survival of the fittest.
0: It's also that most of the, the components have started doing more than their core thing. At the beginning, each project was very focused on one thing, and now they're doing that pretty well. So they're kind of adding stuff like Spark, adding SQL stuff on top of it. So you don't need all those little. Components anymore because the big ones out there have kind of grown in their own uh, charter, if for lack of a better word.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: That's fair. Because on the flip side, Um, there's even more SQL engines out there every day. There's a new one popping up every day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I, I think like a week doesn't go past that I learn of a some some new SQL engine on Hadoop.
2: (laughs) But what's interesting is about all of that is if you look at the distributions, you know, we've been about a year, we've been over a year now since you've seen a a new a a a new broadly supported open source project within the Hadoop stack. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, do you count? I've just brought. Pardon.
0: Do you count Druid? Through it being added to Hive and also getting slid into the distributions that way, um, I mean it's coming in under the covers I'm, of Hive, of course. So you don't really see it that way. So uh,
2: yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe that's a fair way to put it. Like I guess on the top level, you're just not seeing, you're you're not seeing big, broad, mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, new projects coming in. Yeah, you're seeing sort of how different things are fitting into existing projects, mm-hmm. um and you're seeing sort of, you know, more of just, I want to say more of just like solidification of existing projects. Yep. Um, you know, I, am sure we're going to, we have a whole nother episode here coming on the Atlas side of the house. I mean, that's, yeah. I think a project in there that's, you know, it, it's sort of going through a bit of that. Um, but I mean, I think, I, I think, and I guess here's an interesting corollary and I'm not implying causality here. Um mm. What would we say of probably, I mean, we'd say probably of the Hadoop, we could probably count on three finger or two fingers of who are the companies most um, sponsoring, well, okay, I got to use the correct word, have employees that are contributing to that work. Yeah, And let's then look at the state of where those companies are right now versus... 20, let's even say, let's even go to 2016. Yeah. I mean, just pause and think about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. I think the, the sort of the level of contribution, I think has, has also um, increased fairly significantly as well. If, if you look at it, not just the, um, the number of organizations, but the volume of contributions from a wide variety of in, uh, of organisations. I think that story has um, has also played quite a big part in this. I think if you look back, certainly you know three years, um, the the sort of the picture looked fairly different in terms of contribution. There were you know far far fewer organisations were involved back then, and I think it's. It's significantly broadened since then.
2: Um, it sort of depends what we're looking at from a contribution angle. I would argue that we've sort of, it might have went a little bit of the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a realization that a lot of the talent around this space has naturally found its way um, you know, to the Cloudera and HortonWorks, and not to say that those projects, you all those projects, don't have diversity within the commit base. I mean, there's yeah. absolutely that yeah, yeah, there. We yeah. are seeing that. I think honestly, a a silent area nobody really talks about is um the Southeast Asian um uh, pieces there in particular, China. I think mm-hmm. that's still an area yeah. there where we're seeing a lot I of think... um Hadoop nobody's talking about.
1: Yeah, I think from um. From what I remember, at least, I think Huawei were doing massive amounts of, of commitment. So I guess I was, I, I think you're, I think we're both, we're probably both right. I think the majority of the contributions have consolidated into a small, relatively small number of organizations. But I think the long tail has got longer, if that makes more
2: sense. Yeah, I think that's a very fair way to put it. Um and, you know, to a degree, the consolidation of the top end, that's something you expect when a market matures. I mean, you have mm, yeah. the people that that, that that have the talent, that have the R&D bases around this to help develop that. Clearly, they're going to be in a position to lead. Um, yeah. But you're always still going to have those speculative people that are going to be working off of a little bit of the uh, um, the the, the tails of them a little bit, the coattails of yeah. them. and yeah. And I think we're... We're still seeing that. That's not talked about as much because I think so much of the, well, frankly, um, AI and ML has sort of taken all of the the, the investment <laughs> and all of that dollar out of there, and maybe creating its own little hysteria area there. But hey, you know what? That's again, that's another uh, that's another podcast for somebody much smarter than I to to comment on. But um, I. <laughs> I will oh, I don't say know that, about there... that we we comment on that kind of thing all the time, and we're not that smart. <laughs> well, maybe hmm. we should all have a drink in our hand where we're commenting to make it more interesting. Um, so, but I, I, I think I think the net net is we're running into a market that is maturing with companies mm. in it that are have been at the forefront that are maturing as well. Yeah. And so, when you start having that, the stack is just going to mature. Mm. Um, and I. I I would like to believe that from an ODPI perspective, mean I mean look, one of the you know, while we did a lot of work on the standardization space and and I felt like we brought parts of the industry together here, you know, I think the longer tail that we saw here and and this is sort of the luxury that we have as a foundation that a for profit Mm -hmm. company that is responding to investors doesn't have is we can take the long tail. Like we can look years down the road of where this needs to be and start laying the groundwork in place. And you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of where we spent 2016 and we were talking there was just evangelizing this concept to this group. You know, just yeah. helping you know, elevate the stories of why this needs to happen. And you could, you could very well argue that the culmination of IBM and HortonWorks coming together and pulling their distros together. Um, aligned with the the really around March 2017, the halt of the Hadoop stack growth is is largely stuff we I mean in, we were talking in 2016 on the podcast we were talking mm. about that sort of needed yeah. to happen and you know it took a year and finally did
1: um, yeah. So I mean the the initial remit a lot of it was focused around. Um, you know standardization in terms of i mean you know we were even talking about things like test suites um, that you know people would be able to run uh, and in in some cases you know you were actually you know encouraging um the the projects themselves to adopt those test suites and you know in, uh, encompass them within their own project um th- how, you know how did that how did that go
2: um I mean, it's not certainly where we would have hoped it would have been. Um, hmm. We did get some reasonable uptick. I mean, I think, I think somewhere in the end of the day, we were around half a dozen or so distros, um, probably around twenty or so um, applications. Um, you know, so we so we did get some penetration that way. Uh, I think we saw that after time that sort of slowed down. I mean, I think you know one of One of the challenges I think we ran into in that front was we were sort of, we were legislating from a point of what can we all agree on that Mm. we're currently doing um, versus what can we all agree on is the right way to do it, but that's not necessarily what we're all doing, but maybe it gives us something to strive for, right? Yeah. Um, Which actually there is, so there is some work with an ODPI that's actually looking to correct a bit of that problem, because I think that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's always one of the things. Like if you put a a standard out there, if you put, you know, compliance program out there, um, the natural thing makes it all or nothing. And and we spent a lot of time, you know, the, the technical community spent a lot of time Actually, digging into some of those nuances and and recognizing them, some of them were just tricky. And frankly, I think sort of that held back a bit of us being able to expand out um, the stack. Um, it's sort of is an interesting, you know, uh, segue here into sort of what we started to learn. I mean, that's one of the things that we learned there, right? It's the stack is complicated. I forget. I heard somebody say this. Um, where, where they said, you know, Hadoop is complicated on purpose,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and <laughs> you know, maybe that's so companies can make businesses around it. I don't know, but, oh, <laughs> it, but it, it, it could be. I don't know, but I mean, it's, I mean, you think about it. It is, it is. I mean, this is, this is, you know, some pretty technologically advanced stuff here, right? I mean, this is pretty. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of a departure. Um, from the approach on how relational databases, you know, not only just function, but just how you deal with data in it. I mean, I think we might have talked yeah. about this before in there, right? Um, but what what we what we were finding out is, yeah, hey, the technologies are complicated. There's still a lot of, you know, nuances. There's still a lot of, you know, very, you know, tight use case requirements, all, all these sort of things we were, you know, coming to grips with was, where people are actually using it like we we hear you probably heard the term thrown out there we're using you know we have this many people using this in enterprise production right and i bet you could probably you could you could look around for news articles around hadoop you know over the last you know pick a pick a period of time in 2016 or 2017 you could find wildly different numbers of what the market penetration is, from the twenty <laughs> percent to the eighty <laughs> percent.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. L- lies, damn lies, and statistics, right?
2: Yeah, and and you know, I so I so I'm the type of guy that I I like to believe people have the greatest intent with things, and you know they just <laughs> choose maybe you know so and maybe maybe that's my my naivety, but. Well, I think the one thing we did find was there was just never a clear definition of what Enterprise Hadoop meant, right? Because, I mean, we were, we were, you know, that's where we end up getting to the the, the crux of all of, you know, our decision making, right? I mean, our, our mm. first goal is, hey, let's get a spec out the door. Let's get the mechanics in place. Let's do all that. Did that, checkbox. Get some people on board, checkbox. Then we're all sort of sitting at this point of, like, where do we go from here next? And yeah, Where we saw, you know, is the conversations that I was having, the feedback that we were getting, it was all still the challenge of we are having trouble really implementing this enterprise-wide. Yeah. We know we're buying some stuff. We know we're putting this in a lot of places. But, you know, the gold star of when this is Enterprise One is... When And I'm going to throw out some Gartner terminology here. Um, mm-hmm. I think you all are familiar with Mode 1, Mode 2 IT. Yeah, yeah. When Mode 1 IT is willing to support your Hadoop, you've went enterprise-wide. Um, I mean, I think that's, that's sort of the Gartner definition um, of, of when they consider things that are really in production state. And what we end up finding out was that was a huge blocker out there. Like there was, there was a lot of people kicking the tires on Hadoop. There was a lot of people um, doing and and, just, and, I, and I and I say Hadoop. I'll I'll pause there. I'm kind of talking all these big data technologies. I know kind of using Hadoop directly yeah. is sort of not invoked yeah. these days, but we're just yeah, we're we'll just gonna we're gonna overload that. Ter- term. Yeah, we'll we'll overload that term for the conversation here. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of people kicking the tires. There's a lot of people like ah, well, you know, we're just we had IT gave us a chunk of data. We're gonna process the Spark, see what happens. Um, there was some people that were building some applications with it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it was you know very focused at a particular line of business. Um, there was also just lines of business that would be coming to IT and saying, look, we need a cluster of this. We're gonna do this one analysis, and we don't know where it's gonna go, right? So and, and, I, and I talked with some like Fortune 500 companies they were just struggling in this space, you know, that they're like, you know, geez, like I've got like, you know, C level executive teamed up with hotshot junior data scientist here that says we've got to start using this project on a cluster pronto, make it so pound, fist, pound, fist. And, you know, their, their response was, okay, we're just going to fire up more clusters. And so, I mean, we're in general, there is a sustainability problem, brewing there um and we were trying to figure out what we do about it um you know where the whole sense of this was going and um you know that's that started to lead us into you know how we want to sort of adjust around focuses i mean it timed well with you know some of the other things that were happening in the market and some of the things that we were seeding out in the market and uh, you know it's it, it 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 became a very interesting set of affairs that we sort of saw coming, um, but it was just sort of a timing of when it would actually work. So I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like I've probably went into about sixteen different directions here, and I'm sure both of <laughs> you would love to poke at poke at my rant here.
1: No, I mean, it, I think it 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 makes sense because the the everything was evolving along the same kind of lines, but. It was it wasn't necessarily clear as to where everything was going to end up. Um, you know, lots of encouraging noises were being made back then, but uh, I mean, you know, the, there was a a huge variety of different groups and organisations. And I I had a look at the the ODPI site just before we started uh, doing this, and uh, you know, I was surprised again to see the the growth of different kind of member groups now that are all part of odpi so I think yeah it makes it makes a lot of sense I mean what do you think what do you think are the things that you you touched on this a little bit but what do you think specifically are the things that went went well during those early phases perhaps you know better than you could have, you could have expected um but also what were the things that maybe you know didn't didn't go so well or you know just didn't turn out the way that you thought they might have done
2: that's a great question um i think i was i was always impressed on you know really you know if i look at this sort of community as a whole which you mm-hmm. know to a degree had a lot of pressure on it from a a investor VC standpoint. I mean, you get a lot of eyes yeah. on an industry this yeah. way, and it's just it's re- becomes really difficult um, to execute just with the amount of pressure and money flow- flowing around. Um, I was very much impressed of how embracive um, this community tended to be. Um, mm. You know, even you know, even you know, talking of of people. I mean, you know, there's there's clearly party lines here. Um, yeah. The, this community is nowhere near um, the party line divide that exists um, on the Republican Democrat side here in the U.S. Thankfully, um, but I mean, I think there's 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 such a great mutual appreciation um, for one another here um, that that I you know you know my, my background is you know I we talked about in the pre-show I mean I've spent my entire career in open source and I spent a lot of it in the community aspect and you know communities it's great when communities disagree. Um, i i say just you know when you have turmoil that is happening on a on a disagreement standpoint like that but it's a healthy one um it's, great a, it's open a conversation source from it yeah. yeah and it's and it's and you know when you're getting people that care to the table like that is the yeah. biggest thing like the worst thing is when you just sort of have people to just understand because then people just aren't caring and then you have no vibrancy like i'd I'm excited. I mean, that's 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 sort of one of my uh, our fun jobs here at the. Okay, I'm probably not going to say it fun. I'm going to have I have some of my colleagues that deal with this on a much angrily basis. They are going to
1: come <laughs> and ping me and say
2: they ain't fun at all, John. Like <laughs> um, I think it's great. Like, I think that the personal interaction part and just understanding that. I think that is a fundamental fun part of of, of being the position we're at because we get to help mediate that. Um, you could argue play a Henry Kissinger, although somebody lamb blasted me on on twitter for using his name there i didn't realize that was such a, a poo poo in this world but anyways <laughs> none nuns so i think i nonetheless i i'm always very well respecting of this industry that way um yeah. i think the technologists in this are are phenomenal they you can tell they have great care and compassion around it and they're very attached to the technology like they're You know, just just of how the space evolves, it's just given so many people different areas to get involved with. I mean, it's not just like a one-size-cookie-cutter-fits-all. It's, you know, just the different levels of nuances. Um, Yeah. So I have been always the most appreciative of that. You have a good community, you know, and, you know, for all of the pressures this community has had on it, it has always stood there and been fundamentally um, fantastic to work with um so i think that's been really good um and i would say maybe i don't want to say that's ever a surprise um because again maybe i'm I'm a bit of an optimist that way but um <laughs> boy is that just a that's just a that's just a sigh of relief Like, i mean that is just yeah. a sigh of you know there's something here like that's worth spending time here because the people here care about it um now the flip side question you asked uh yeah what what do you wish, boy, yeah. um, that would have went differently? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, you know, that can always go a lot of different ways. And and to a degree, like it's um, I a lot of a lot of a lot of my commentary and notes come from this gentleman here in the U.S. I don't know if you guys follow pro basketball in the U.S. at all the NBA. Um, there's a great. Um, a sports writer that follows it. He's from the local Akron area. He went to the same high school as LeBron James, went to the same college as myself, Kent State. Um, his name is Brian Winhorst, And hmm. I always like to... Fo- I, 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 I like to listen to it. He'll never listen to this podcast, so I can say whatever I want around him. Um, <laughs> maybe he should, though. Um, he's a little bit of an analytics geek. Um, but, you know, I always appreciate it as just just the the way that he kind of takes the broader picture view, but sees some of the interesting subtleties sort of along the way. But, you know, one comment he has in there was saying, you know, winning a championship means never having to say you're sorry. Um, I wish I would have got to the point where I could say we won, we, we won something amazing. So we would never have to apologize or feel bad about anything. Uh, But, you know, we may, you know, there's, there's missteps we made along the way. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I, I think there's obvious I, I think on the market awareness and driving a ton of work there, um, we did probably an amazing job being in front of every single analyst, every piece of press. We got tons of coverage considering the fact that, you know, you know, people look at these foundations and, and, and think they're like swaths with money. I mean, we are we are as tight as can be of being able to fund what we do. Um, and we have to make a lot of hard decisions and we have to ask a lot of favors of our member companies, um, who are investors in this. I mean, you know, it's just sort of the model that we have there. They're, they're investing in it. They don't tell what the technical community is to do, but they're investing in what the foundation's out there to accomplish. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've been very fortunate that our marketing and PR teams, and I've have great colleagues here. Um, I'll call them out by name cause they're just great people. Um, Natasha Woods and Greg Wallace um, they, our board and our community constantly commented how we were getting more than our fair share of, um, coverage out there and being able to be able to have sit downs with folks like Merv Adrian and Brian Hopkins and, um, you know, folks like that. I mean, it's just, it, it was, it was, it was amazing. And I think yeah. we at least helped instill a lot of how we look at the open source community through them. And I feel like there as I've seen some of the coverage that they've had in there, I'd I'd like to see I, I see some of the bits of how we look at open source has been very helpful in how they're covering it. Um so, you know, shoot, you know what's funny in there, I completely again dodged the question that I was that you guys wanted <laughs> to answer. Um Yeah, I mean I, I think we just ran into some tactical stuff that just, you know, I mean I think part of it we we I I I think not understanding all of the dynamics of the party split I think was difficult. Um, yeah. I think not really pushing ahead on the spec growth very effectively. I think we ran into difficulty. Um, you know, I, did, I I mean, I think a lot of it was just speed. We just in in some ways we didn't move very fast enough on the technical side, which I think was done intentionally because the whole idea when you're trying to, you know, bring compromise is it's a slow process. Um, Yeah. That said, you have a fast process on the other end and you have to be able to balance both of them. Um, That all said, um, I'm not entirely convinced that our execution is a foundation necessarily would have changed to the state of affairs you could argue um that maybe that's the goal the goal the whole time along right i mean foundations aren't meant to stay here forever um i yeah. i have another one my one other project that i lead the open mainframe project um the joke we have amongst the board is you know the the if you want to throw a hag on a foundation Um, You know, the BHAG for the open mainframe project is there shouldn't have to be an open mainframe project one day Um, (laughs) because that because that, you know, mainframe knowledge throughout there should just be there like that should be just implanted. There's no x86 foundation. (laughs) Um, So so maybe there's a little bit of that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we did as good of a job that we could have and we influenced everything in the right way to set up. Um, and maybe we also just uncovered some things that the Hadoop world didn't know about themselves when we made our impact in there. Um So I don't know. i'm I'm always I'm always mixed on, I, look, I'm one of the toughest persons on my own self and beating myself up about things. Um, and 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 I've looked at this a whole lot of different ways. I don't think we could have done too much of anything. Different that might have changed the outcomes, but by also the same token, I feel in a way we've shifted the conversation to a better to a better place of maybe where it needed to get to.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. Um, so, if we've now kind of shift the focus a little bit to the what I would see as a, a very very diverse set of members now to the ODPI. Um, can you perhaps talk a little bit about, because one of the things that you mentioned, you know, towards the, the earlier part of this was that it's, it's not just about kind of, you know, throwing code in about into these kind of projects, there are lots of different ways that organizations can participate. And it's, it's a part of, you know, telling the story and it's about some, some of it certainly is about awareness, but can you give some, some examples of the, the different groups and, you know, what they've, what their contributions have been to the ODPI
2: from a, from a corporate membership perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, great question in there. Um there there are generally like a handful of reasons of why you are driven to be a corporate member. And and remember like all of these foundations like there is a there is a very much legislative and executive branches of government of how things get done. Sorry to use another US politics um <laughs> um on there. Uh, yeah. We've had a fun time on this side of the pond. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Uh, they from yeah, Britain, yeah. So. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we could compare notes. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we we purposely ensure that our any technical leadership and governance is separate from the business side of the house. Um, and so we have a lot, like, it's a, the common thing that's always thrown out there is like, oh, well, geez, there's this project out here to participate, you know, you have to pay to play, right? Pay to play. You hear that term that's thrown over and over with foundations. And here's sort of the reality of it, Um Technical communities are open to anybody. Matter of fact, I mean if I if I start talking with a company around participation, the first thing I tell them to do, and maybe I'm a horrible sales person for this, I don't know, but the first thing I tell them to do is go check out the GitHub, go sit on some of the community calls, go participate in some of the mailing lists, go check out what's going on and and get a feel for what the value of this project is all about. You know? I mean don't don't listen to me as somebody trying to tell it, because first of all, I do, I'm going to do a horrible job of representing the code the, the engineers are going to do much better. So I don't want to get in the way of that. Um, and second of all, just the technical side, it means different things to different people. Right. Um, mm. So when you're looking at a foundation like this, and, and maybe it's not ODPI, maybe it's, you know, one of the other, pro- one of the 60 or some odd other projects we have um, hosted, you know, that's, You know, the the technical stuff is just something you should just always look, hey, is there opportunity to participate, leverage, whatnot? Okay. when you're looking at the corporate side, when you're sort of a corporation thinking about it, you know, we there tends to be like a couple of reasons of why you participate. You know, one is just a stewardship reason, right? You see what Mm. this foundation is doing is important. I mean, it's the same reason, like why you and I would give money to, you know, pick your favorite cause. Um, Sure. You know, you see very much important of the cause out there, um, and you want to help do your part in it, and membership is often kind of an easy way to do that, or some sort of financial, you know, contribution. Because, you know, frankly, all this stuff, I mean, it it's open source, but it doesn't, you know you still need to pay for electricity for servers. You need, still need to, you know, pay for legal filings places. You still need to pay for, you know, there's just there's, things cost money. It's just, yeah, you know, and there's, to there's do a, things.
1: There's a kind of, there's a, f- a famous phrase, o- open source is free if you don't value your time sort of thing. You know, the, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of additional things that you need to think about even if you just go open pure open source.
2: Yeah, and 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 that's just for you as just a user of it. I mean, think of the person that's creating it. I mean, mm. they're going to have to spend time of, oh geez. I mean, I have people contributing code. I got to go here and, and process through it and read through it. I have to make sure that you know if somebody's a downstream user of it, is the code pedigree clean? You know, what about you know security? Is somebody keeping up on that? You know, there's just, there's there's all of. There, there's a whole laundry list of things that come along with doing open source the right way that they take people's time. Sometimes they just cost money, and and which I'd argue people's time is probably also money as well, because, you know, um, my kids like to eat, and so I want to make sure that I have money to do that. I, I don't, <laughs> unfortunately, I may mean, live in the countryside here, but I don't have much of a farm, um, unless they're going to eat tomatoes all day. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, these, these things, you know, they they take they take funding to drive successful and what we see is is when you invest when companies invest money in this the technology just ends up thriving because there's more of these resources available there's more of these things to tap into um, to help drive that so companies see stewardship they say hey we see this we see this important you know we need to give money from a stewardship angle um, you know there's also companies that like to join for um, kind of that like neutral thought leadership perspective, right? So they want to be able to see, hey, this is a technology that we want the public to know that we are aligned with, You, could, which, okay, you could argue stewardship is a similar play there, but I would say that, you know, in stewardship, it's, you know, we're doing it because we know it's right. Um, the other half is we're doing it because we're also hoping to see sort of marketing benefit from this and an opportunity that opens up. Um, so like we'll do... Um, webinars with members we'll do um, you know meetups we'll do all sorts of other events sometimes we'll just even you know just come by and meet them and talk to their development teams and you know help them make connections with people and I guess that's another big reason is just networking like um, you know being able to have tight networking circles and build that is just a, a huge um, you know vantage point point. Yeah. Um, and, and and I would think probably ends up being sort of the third is you know where we get into like And it sort of ties into all of these to a degree, but it's being able to use those industry marks to help yourself stand out. So what I'm thinking here is um, our compliance program. So one of the things that we've done is anybody who participates in our compliance program, anybody can test their code to see if it works. Um, If you want to advertise the fact that I'm ODPI X compliant, um, that is a membership benefit. Um, because those are marks that we, that the foundation owns, and you know, you are effective. I mean, think of it this way: you as a company is effectively profiting off of the fact of being able to use those marks. Um, so, being able to give a small portion of that back to the foundation that's maintaining the infrastructure and requirements to do that is a is a very sort of simple piece there, and it's entirely dis- it's sort of disconnected from the technical side of things because you're not it's not really a technical contribution or a technical benefit. You're still getting the code, but it's being able to use a market mark. Um, yeah. So so I guess, I mean, those are sort of where members end up driving value when they participate here. Now, what that ends up meaning to each member is entirely different. Um, you know, if I look at, you know, probably some of the larger, like if I look at somebody like Hortonworks, I mean, they're a company that is basically their back end of every of every engineering effort they do is around open source like they are spread all over doing tons of great work collaborating probably you know that that is sort of where their dna lies um, i mean they have commercial products and they have some proprietary stuff they've built on top but the net of what they do is is helping is is working in a true open source uh, model and nurturing those communities um, and then using you know some of the products and the, the open source projects that come out of there and those you know enhance their products right um, and it, and it actually sort of fits in very nicely into where we sort of see the role of like open source projects as it fits into the sort of the whole overall landscape of of, of what we do but we can we can jump into that in a little bit later um yeah yeah you know and and i look at you know there's other vendors like ibm you know they they value the collaboration aspect they value being able um you know to work with other vendors um they value to have their um products that are able to garner support i mean i mean you could argue a lot of and i think the press called this out very accurately is a lot of the early pinnings between ibm and hortonworks working together was because of odp and for of them being able to collaborate in that environment opened up the ability for for them to actually tighten a lot of their go-to market activities. I mean that that's just a that's just a natural outcome we see across a lot of different industries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so we see a lot of in the bigger vendors, um smaller ones there's a lot of awareness. Um, it's a lot of being able to um help elevate where their product status is. It's a lot of you know helping share some of their use cases upstream. Um, you know just just a number of things in there. Um, but I mean, I would say, I mean, I think ample was one. I mean, Millen used to tell me, he's like, you know, John, for just just having ourselves associate with ODPI, just just the marketing awareness benefits that we get here is is invaluable. Like, it is just out of this world helpful. It has opened up so many doors for us. It's it's been fantastic. Um so you know we we get some really good stories we get some folks like that and and I think now we're starting to get some change over we're starting to get some differences in our membership um we re- recently had a tunity in ing join um which that sort of gets into some of our work in the governance space which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a later episode indeed. um indeed indeed it's like we don't know um <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know it it's yeah, it, it varies. I mean, you know, for us, like membership is just something like we, we want a member to come forward and say, hey, we want to we see this is important to us. We want to participate um, and we see the long term strategic value. We're not measuring this by some quarterly. I mean, it's not like I've done the ISV partnership things before, and that is a a tricky game of if I'm not getting the right number of sales from each person, that's not how we do things. You know, it opens You know, when you're participating in a foundation. You're taking the conscious choice of I'm being an investment in something that I see is very valuable and important to me.
1: So that's a bit about the the different groups and you know some of what they get out of of being in the ODPI. I mean, we talked we talked initially around the the sort of the focus was very much started around standardizing these key components between multiple distributions. You know, shared sets of tests. Is is that considered sort of Done now, or is it kind of it's never done because you're always kind of building and extending tests to to take on sort of new functionality that arrives in those those um, core components. So
2: there's this there's this interesting project that just that that has uh, that has come on the scene here, um, Hadoop three, right? (laughs) Um, What's that? And Uh, and it's, uh, we're starting to see some of the, you know, now so we have these consolidated state of vendors. We're starting to see people looking to embrace it. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of discussion that's happening with our technical communities on what that, how that ties into ODPI. Um, oh, yeah. I think there's Still, I mean, there, there's a lot of value that, that folks have had around what we, it if for nothing else, of just laying out some of the default configuration, just sort of the way you should have everything hooked up, um, that in of itself has has laid a decent amount of value out there. We're trying to now sort of take what we're doing. So we have Hadoop 3 is sort of one piece there that that's sort of the forcing function of, you know, do we continue to evolve these specs or not? And and what what I'm hearing from that technical community is that they are. But then Mm -hmm. I think we alluded to this earlier of, you know, we went down one path of, let us make the 10 commandments of Hadoop that every distribution should follow and hmm. the challenges of agreeing what all, right, all those Ten Commandments should be, or if anybody even agrees that any of those shouldn't be commandments. Um, that was a huge challenge. And so I think, so So what I see that technical community starting to do right now is evolve for both of those. How do we tackle Hadoop 3, Hive 3, some new com- or Hive 2, um, some new componentry coming down the pipe, just new versions of stuff. Um, and how do we involve our test suites to be able to go deeper, to be able to go wider, include new, um, new projects, but at the same time, um, be able to draw the value downstream. I mean, one of the things that we had learned, um, from one of our our key vendors, I think SAS actually, um, Mm -hmm. was, you know, they're, you know, an interesting thing of value to them. It's it, the pass or fail is a great thing, but, Knowing what to expect when I encounter a distribution is, or just a different release, is a huge value. Like just knowing that, okay, I'm going to run and test this. You know, I'm going to say, okay, you know, Cloudera's came out with a new version of, uh, you know, CD, uh, CDP, right? Uh, or CDH, I'm sorry. Um, and being able to say, okay, I guess I'm blindly going to throw this in my aggression scheme and see what happens um, versus, okay, I have a printout here and I know this is exactly how Cloudera deviates from the standard norm. And if you know that ahead of time, that saves you just a ton of time of, you know, not only just sort of your sustaining engineering efforts, um, which a lot of these folks, I mean, frankly, I mean, that that is something I heard more and more from vendors over you know the past almost three years of, of me in this role was you know, they are tired of being surprised by every single release of HDP or CDH or what have you that has like some trivial break in it that screws everything up for them. Um, and they can't figure out it until they start going through regression testing. And then they already have customers that are trying to use it. And it's just a big nightmare. Them being sort of ahead of the game of knowing what to expect is a huge value. Um, and and they can sort of plan and contingentize around it. So... The net of so so, so basically, so right where all that fits in is that is where that group is wanting to help go. Can we go deeper into the testing um, and just use this as a very much of a tool to elevate the issues and then at mm-hmm. the same time, um, you know, shift a lot of how the compliance to be a full pass fail to saying, okay, compliance means that you know you might be. 90 you pass 90% of the test or something. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just totally just pulling this out of thin air here. Yeah. But yeah. but being able to sort of help change that definition there and in the end of the day we're sort of achieving the same thing, right? Cuz if you boil it down, that's what that's all compliance is really in certifications about. It's about being able to have a degree, you know, trust one but just not be surprised. Um and if 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 folks can sort of help get into that mindset, um, then as opposed to where, where a number of, you know, vendors were without with, with Hadoop, where they were just kind of sitting on the, like, okay, we're going to do enough to get this working. But, you know, to be honest, as an error, we're just going to put a ton of time and investment and hope for the best. Um, now they end up getting into a forward area of, okay, I have somebody who is looking out for the breakages for me. And so I can meet, so see where these are coming. I can selectively get ahead or behind them. I can... You know, early ahead patch, I can I can figure out sort of what I need to do with it um, before I have a customer coming and yelling at me. So, so that's where I'm seeing a lot of that program going. So, I don't at all see yeah. On on one aspect, technology keeps moving. Mission accomplished is never going to be done. Um, <laughs> but by the same t- aspect, I think we've learned that there might be better ways of working of attacking this problem um, that's going to help be more inclusive for the industry versus driving too much exclusivity.
1: Nice. Nice. I mean, it's the, the similar sort of corollary I often hear is, is when organizations are asked, um, you know, how are you doing on your sort of digital transformation journey? You know, any of you done yet? Of course, the answer should always be no. You're you're never done because the digital transformation yep. is a continuing, ongoing process. But uh, no, I think that that's that's really good. So I think that the final question around this is, um, you know, just any thoughts really on how the uh, how you think the customers have matured over the last um, over the last three years
2: um i mean they definitely have um and you know i think part of it is you know i I was talking with a gartner analyst a year ago and they said there was Mm -hmm. a there was a difference of how u.s and european companies buy technology Mm -hmm. um and they were very emphatic about this and i'd love to see you know you're 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 on the other side of the pond so you can you can help validate whether this person was right or not but they said the u.s philosophy was executives huddle biotechnology everyone in the organization scrambles how to make it work um the european philosophy is spend a ton of time on requirements um requirements gathering pulling together strategies all of that like do a ton ton ton, ton of lay work And then use that as part of a thoughtful, long-term product-buying exercise um, to make a selection. In the end of the day, you sort of end up in the same place. You have different methodologies of getting there and different levels of strife. And I don't think either are perfect. Um, But... That is that is certainly um, an interesting thing. So in, in essence, like the US buyer is is very much more reactionary of they want to stay up yeah. on the curve, the European buyer sort of hangs behind a little bit. Um, so they overthink the buying decision. Um, yeah quite a bit i mean i don't know i mean it sounds like for you I, I i sense uh, virtual um nodding there so yeah like yeah <laughs> I, think,
1: I think i i would i would there's always exceptions to prove any rule right but i, I think that's mm-hmm. broadly i think it's broadly accurate and broadly representative of 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 what i see um so yeah i think that's i think that's very much the the sort of the the broad strokes of what uh, we see in terms of that. And are you saying that you think that that's, that's, that's changed?
2: Um, so I think us Americans are always going to be the way we are. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 would, I would hearken to not say that that's the case. What I would say is, um, there, there are a lot more chief, di- uh, chief, chief, Data officers now than there were five years ago, and we're starting to see more. And I mean, data dry, driven is is all has been sort of the you know the fun term that everybody has thrown around for eons here. For it yeah. feels like eons. I mean, at least for the last eight to ten years, um, that's starting to get more into a driven practice. I think we're seeing we're seeing a lot of that as sort of formalizing down. What what when I think what the net is that we're seeing here is um, the customers are starting getting a sense of what they what they're getting to work with, um, and they're starting to understand sort of their own needs and requirements. And like I said, I mean, both the European and the U.S. buying journeys, you know, sort of predicate at some part of the process, you're you're learning what you really need, and you're learning what is really a value to you? the US is sort of more of let's throw crap at you and you'll figure it out through there. The European model is let's just talk it to death and how oh, there and and I'm not I don't want to knock either side you're both wrong in your own way. Um, yeah, yeah. but the, the
1: right the right answer is probably somewhere in between, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah um, and, and I think that's sort of that's I think customers are just they're starting to get just a better feel for this. Yeah. um um one of my one of my hobbies here that i've just picked up is beer making um and uh i had a a friend of mine that was asking me about it and he was like going like all like full bore like are you going all grain you know this weird concoction of you know bourbon sherry baled you know, double IPA, whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm using extract <laughs> kits. And and not because I'm lazy, but I'm trying to get a feel for the process. Yep. Like you kind yeah. of, there's, there's just things you have to go through to figure it out. And that's what I think, you know, the customers are here. I mean, digital transformation, right? This is something that has hit companies like a ton of bricks and that's okay. That's good it should that was i mean you don't you don't put the you don't put the term ter, uh, transformation with something that's supposed to be easy um that's not supposed to be you know changing the the scope of things but uh you know it, customers are figuring this out and they're and the way you figure it out is is by running through the processes a few times and and learning from things and this understanding your own business better and having those communications um, internally and seeing sort of what the market's doing out there. Um, and so I, the customers are getting it. Um, the customers are getting in a much, and I'm even starting to see this with even open source in general. I think companies are more wanting to get themselves a bit more involved in the the upstream communities and processes because they're, they're feeling a greater sense of attachment to the technology. They're feeling like they're and better control of it versus, you know, leaning entirely on a vendor. So, yeah. um, the customers involving, and that's it, good.
1: It, yeah. It sounds like it's really, it's, it's the evolution and the, the education of the customers, the vendors and the technology. They've just, they've just all matured over the last couple of years. And, and that, that increased maturity has led to, you know, more mature conversations to happen, customers doing more intelligent, more sensible things, and just raising the bar, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's good. It's good for all of us who care about this space. Um, it's it's good for society in general. Um, it's good for the open source projects around it. It's good for the open source projects that'll come to be. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's all part of the process. Um, yeah. And, you know, changes in the process are scary, but they're they're good parts of the process. Um, yeah, and you have to embrace them.
1: Yeah, embrace the change. All
2: embrace right, the change. excellent. So, thanks very much for,
1: for that kind of uh, that part one. And uh, yes, indeed, part one suggests that there may well be a part two. Um, so. You're inviting me back focusing, again. You guys are
2: way yeah. too kind.
1: <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think we'll we'll hear hear some more from you. I mean, we've been talking so far very much about like the what's happened um, to the ODPI over the last um, couple of years since we last talked. I think in part two we're going to talk more about um, what's happened most recently, focusing around things like data governance and really how odpi has has evolved into this uh this this brand new beast so uh thanks john for for spending some time with us and and we look forward to uh talking to you in part two
2: definitely thank you both all right great stuff
1: and we'll speak to you then sounds good and that is about all the time we have for today Thanks very much, John. And we hope that everybody out there enjoyed listening to this perfectly compliant session <laughs> of uh, bite-sized big data. See how it we'll be like back you. next week with a brand new episode. Until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at hadoopcast tag and contact us by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments criticisms and other feedback until then my name
0: is dave and my name is compliant (laughs) (laughs) and we look forward to talking to you next week see you then